And I asked, I asked my stepdaughters, I go, so what do you think about the term bonus mom? And one of them said, you are not a bonus. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to the Nacho Kids podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. David. I'm not here. David. (laughs) David. What? Guess what time of year it is. Time for you to get a watch. What? (laughs) It's time for school to start back. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's our anniversary. No, I don't ever remember that. (laughs) That's good because I don't either. So reading a lot of these posts in the Facebook group about school starting back made me think about some of the issues that we had with your kids in school starting back. We had no issues with my kids. We had issues with you when school started back. No. (laughs) Dude. (laughs) Okay. You obviously don't remember where it was. You picked two of the kids and she picked two of the kids and you bought their stuff and... She bought the other kids' stuff, and then it was even, but then the next year something happened, and she decided to buy all of them book bags and tell us we owed her like 300 bucks or something because she got them expensive book bags. Remember that? Yeah, as much as I try to forget all that, yes, I remember all the drama around school starting back. And remember the issue with when school started and the school uniforms, getting them back, and Mm-hmm, because I would send them in, you know, brand new clothes and get them back in old clothes. And, mm-hmm. Yep, all the time. You know, during the summertime, we'd actually send them, like, in the same clothes every single day. Like, I bought a specific set of clothes to send them in every time. That's what I always did with Jackson until we outgrew stuff. Mm-hmm. He would have a two-dads outfit. Yeah. Something I didn't care if it got messed up, not returned, whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, the bad thing about it was they they kind of here, they picked her clothes out. You know, they didn't have a lot of options. They had school uniforms, but my understanding was that uh, at the other place, their clothes were picked out for them. So, you know, it shouldn't have been hard to send them back in the same thing. They came in. So anyway, yes, that was a challenge and it was very much aggravating to deal with. The way we handled it was when the kids got here on Monday, you would tell them to take their clothes off. Mm-hmm. Put them in the wash machine. Yep. You'd wash them, you'd dry them, you'd fold them, and put them in a place for them to have the next Monday. Yep. Yep. I mean, I thought it was fairly easy to do. Yeah. It, it worked from our end. Yeah. So it's, they come in and get all their clothes together or whatever, and they make sure they wear back what they wore to the to your house. And, you know, a lot of times with the kids 50-50, you've got somebody that pays child support, and so... They don't think that they should need to contribute to school supplies and things of that nature. And we did a video in the academy on back to school stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, we did. I think that was one of the first ones we did last year. Mm-hmm. You know, because you don't want little Susie going to kindergarten without those washable markers the first day. Yeah, you know, it's kind of crazy how the school, I don't know how it is everywhere else, but around here, it's like they try to make you buy everything you're going to need for the entire year, day one. You should drive me nuts. And then you don't use half of it. No. So, I mean, we I got to the point, anyway, where I would just buy the bare minimum, and then as they needed it, I would just, I'd just get it. 
because I just I weren't I was just not going to go out and buy all that stuff. I remember the first year that I was nachoing, it was hard for me to not get all their school stuff ready for them and check off everything on the list. Because you enjoy all that. I do. I like school supplies and making sure everybody's ready. Yeah. I'm like, you know, grab a, grab a three ring binder and a pen and you're good. Yeah. (laughs) True. Pretty much. You know, what's weird though. I've noticed that Jackson, um, the school seems to supply like poster board and stuff. Hmm. They didn't do that when we were growing up. No, no. Cause you remember like the whole come in here on Monday, you know, I need poster board. What do you mean you need poster board? When do you need it by? Well, I need it for a project that's due tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And what? Well, you were with your mom all last week. You didn't think to say anything to her. <laughs> no, I yeah. forgot. Or right, yeah. or, or silence. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's always fun. Yeah. So if your kids are getting ready to start back school, your stepkids, let the bio parents deal with the stress of getting the clothes and the school supplies together. Let them deal with the stress of fighting over who owes who what for the school clothes and the school supplies. Do not stress yourself about it. Mm-hmm. It's their responsibility to make sure that their children have what they need clothes-wise and supplies-wise for school. Yeah. And if the parent fusses about it, then, you know, honestly, for me, it was better for for you to be supportive if I'm fussing about it. Like, for example, I send them in brand new clothes and they come back in raggedy clothes from two years ago. It was it was more beneficial that you supported me in my uh, disdain for what happened than to then start telling me I need to, you need to light into that person and you need to do this. And you, it then became my frustration turned toward you versus what else was going on. Because right. now you're, you're fussing at me to take action that you feel I should take. And I'm like, dude, this, you're just making problems worse because you're not on my team anymore. Now you're fussing at me like everybody else. Yeah. I sound like the ex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so don't let the school stuff stress you out. And David, let's go ahead and address one other thing about school while we're on the subject. And that is going to the kids' extracurricular activities. I used to go to your kids' extracurricular activities. I stopped when I disengaged mm-hmm. because I didn't want to go. And if I went somewhere I didn't want to go, then I made everybody unhappy. Mm-hmm. And the kids, they didn't really seem to be bothered by it. But I do remember one of them was like, what, Lori's not coming? Yeah. You know, it's different. It's like they don't necessarily want you there until you don't go. Yeah. Then they wonder why you're not there. Yeah. Well, there's also... It's also a challenge because I want you there or wanted you there because I didn't want to be there with the ex. Well, and I didn't want to be there with your ex and your family buddying up to her either. Yeah, that can happen. Yeah. So there's there's a lot lot of uh, stress around activities like that. Yeah, but there doesn't have to be. Go ahead and address it now. Mm -hmm. Stepmom, if you don't want to go to little Johnny's ball games, tell your husband, say, look, I love you, but I need to stay here and get things done. I really don't um, enjoy going to the games for whatever reason. Don't bash the kid. Don't bash the kid. But just, you know, it's a good time for the dad to bond with the kid, even Mm -hmm. if it's just the ride there. I mean, there's positives in the stepmoms not attending every function. And Lord have mercy. Please, please, please. 
Do not be the stepmom that calls the cheer coach and tries to arrange all the booster club things or whatever and gets mad when bio mom tells her she's overstepping. <laughs> Do not be that person. Yeah. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane, people. Stay in your lane. There's a blog about that on the website. Check it out. Yeah. It is tough because I know I would want you to go to some of the games and stuff, not necessarily to see them as much as to be there with me. You want to just show off the trophy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Why you laugh so hard? Well, you and I usually have uh, some crazy fun together when we're at those things. Like, you know, the year we went to the Christmas party at the kids' school. Oh, my gosh, y'all. I (laughs) You you would have thought we were drinking, but we weren't. I promise you. It was a Christian school Christmas concert. Yeah. And David and I just basically took the stage. Yeah, we did. Yeah. We always have fun. And of course, even at the games, like, you know, my kids were heavily into volleyball and stuff like that. And I'd get to the games and I would be yelling, you know, louder than anybody else and running up and down the Mm -hmm. sideline thing and. Or I'd be yelling, it's your stepmama. <laughs> yeah. So I like to embarrass them. But it's fun. And it, it does get to a point where you can't have fun with it. But if you're at the point where it's stressing you out, then you got to do something different. Yeah. If you've got an Apple Watch and anytime you're around the bio mom and you start getting alerts that your heart's beating too fast or something like that, then maybe you shouldn't go to those things. And it's okay. It's okay. You don't have to attend everything. Yeah. But my parents never attended my stuff. <laughs> Yeah, but you're right, though. Setting those uh, expectations now versus, hey, we got a game tomorrow, and then now you're having to, you know, make a decision right away, and, you know, it's going to get people's feelings going to get hurt. Mm -hmm. So go ahead and address it now. Yep. Go ahead and address it now. And that also reminded me of, let's talk about homework real fast. Stepkids say there's 50 50. They're at bio mom's one week. They come back to bio dad's and stepmom's house. They didn't do their homework from the week before. We see it all the time where the teachers can tell which house the kid is at, whether or not homework's done. Mm-hmm. What can the step parent or the bio parent do to make sure that the kids are doing their homework and projects at the other parent's house? Nothing. Nutting. You hear that, people? <laughs> Nutting. N-U-T-I-N. No, it's two T's. N-U-T-T-I-N apostrophe. Okay. But nothing. You cannot make other people parent like you think they should. Let me repeat that for the people in the back. <laughs> you cannot expect people to parent like you think they should. And... You have no control over what happens in the other home. Yep. And if you happen to be the step-parent, then you certainly can't care more than a bio-parent either. Well, somebody will go, oh, yes, you can. Okay, where's that going to get you? Well, you can, can, but... It is unhealthy to care more than the bio-parent. You can care more than them, but you still don't have the, uh, the right to fix anything. The right or the power or the presence or whatever. Yeah. It's just going to cause you problems. It's going to cause you problems. If you yeah. think it's a good thing to do, you know, good luck with that. Yeah. Let us know how that works out. Contact David at nachokids.com. Yeah. You probably wouldn't be listening to this podcast if it was working out great for you. That's, well, maybe. <laughs> Some people might be listening because they just, you know, They just love hearing our banter. <laughs> they love to hear people talk about their step-parent issues. Yeah, that's that's true. All right, David. 
tell people about the contest so we can get into our next guest. All right. Do you want me to tell about the next guest first? Really quick. Contest, notyourkids.com slash review. We are trying to get a ton of reviews for this podcast. And we know that if you're listening, you will do that because you're awesome already. So just take a few seconds to leave a review. We absolutely appreciate it. In fact, that's the only thing that we get paid for is in reviews. We don't get any money for doing this. So go to review, nachokids.com slash review. Yep. After you leave a review. You will just go there. It'll tell you what to do, give you links to everything and all that. And then you can uh, submit your review so that we can put your name in a hat for a drawing. To win scholarships to the Nacho Kids Academy. Yep. All right. Let's talk about today's guest. Today's guest is Deanna Keck. Okay. She has been in a blend for about 21 years. Oh, gosh. She's a veteran. Yes, she is. And she's got a very interesting story. Um, her and her husband, Steve, have actually started doing things, or in the past, started doing things kind of like you and I, helping other people by teaching them what we've learned. Mm-hmm. So now they um, they started off with a step family small group at their church, Saddleback Church. And then they were part of the group. Then they became over the group because the other people left. I think they got divorced. That's not good. I do think they got divorced. And so they left, and Deanna and her husband, Steve, took over that. And then they started recently the Merged Initiative. Okay. And that's because you'll see why they named it that. She tells you why. I'm very excited. Can't you tell it? David, you sound so pathetic. (laughs) No. I hope David's demeanor is not impacting whether you decide to listen to this interview (laughs) or not, because it's really an awesome interview. All right. You ready to get into the interview? Ready for Eddie. All right. Well, before we do that, here's a word from our sponsor. There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle step-family challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit nachokidsacademy.com and sign up today to join other step-parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's nachokidsacademy.com. Today, we speak with Deanna Keck with the Merged Family Initiative. Hi, Deanna. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you, Lori? Doing well, doing well. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your blend. You've um, got some history with you. Oh, we do. My husband and I just celebrated 21 years of marriage in July. And between us, we have four daughters. Uh, when we got married decades ago, uh, he brought three girls into the mix. And they were nine 12 and 15. And then my daughter at the time was two. And the first four years were really, really rough. We um, had a disagreement of parenting styles. And although um, I had known his family beforehand, because our moms, our parents had been best friends for many, many years, and we were family friends, we did some holidays together, picnics, birthday parties, we realized very quickly that his girls had a whole different perspective of me when I became their stepmom. So <laughs> that's kind of when the challenges began. And, you know, girls in their adolescent stages are some of the hardest uh, relationships for a stepmom to build on. And I saw that they were playing their dad and they um, 
some of them still wanted their parents back together, which you can blame them. They were kids. Uh, and so one of the biggest helps for me was reading a book called uh, Five Love Languages. And so I went out to find out which love language my three stepdaughters had, uh, get a PhD in it, and then speak it very loudly to them so they felt loved. Um, and of course, with a family of six like we are, and only five love languages, all of them are present. So for our oldest Stephanie, I learned that gifts were really her love language. And it wasn't just buying her things. It was, this has a meaning to it. This is why I purchased it for you. Here's how I'm presenting it to you. For Jessica, she wanted quality time. She didn't want dad to be with me. She wanted dad to be with her. So I had to learn to love and not date nights and play games together without me, you know, around. Uh, and then Amanda, um, she's words of affirmation. So she, you know, at a girl, proud of you for your volleyball, proud of you for uh, getting great grades and just really feed her love tank that way. And then my biological daughter, Jordan, was really more of a uh, touch girl, brush my hair, wrestle with me, you know, tickle my back, these kind of things. So um, and I, of course, am um, acts of service. So when you leave a towel on the ground that's wet in the bathroom, I'm not really happy about it. So they had to learn uh, my love language, too, to connect with me. But as an adult, I really did feel it was my responsibility to reach out to them first. And I had to remember during this whole time that these kids were hurting and they didn't ask for their parents to be divorced. They didn't, you know, get a selection of potential stepmoms that Steve lined up in front of them and said, OK, pick your next mommy. Yeah, like the bachelorette or something with stepmoms. <laughs> so it, it took about four years, um, and we were finally able to find a small group of people at a local church that were meeting together. And when we started there, um, my husband was able to hear things from other people in the group that I had been saying for a number of years. But for some reason, it clicked when they said it. Like, it wasn't the nagging wife saying it about his kids. It was these other people. And I didn't care how he got the message. I was just very grateful that he got the message. And so at about year four is when we really started actively making sure that we weren't stepping on anybody's toes, that we really followed. Um, respect is a big word with teenagers, right? And if you say, you need to respect me because I'm in a position of authority, they'll usually come back because they're smart enough to say, well, you have to earn my respect. Mm -hmm. And really, both sides are right. And respect is a trigger word. So we came up with the term common courtesy. I will treat you the way that I would treat um, the person at the bank that's helping me or the checkout person at Target or the grocery store. And you need to treat me like you would treat a teacher or a principal or a babysitter that was watching you. So those were our first steps where it started to work and we could see definite change. Did it mean we didn't have arguments still? Because we did, yeah. but it started to get better. And Steve and I realized that the two of us had to be the coaches of this team of family members. And so when it came to um, talking about discipline or rules or setting up a, a family plan, anything like that, we never discussed it with the children. We only discussed it with each other in private, away from ears. We had to make sure that we both absolutely agreed upon it. Because if I came up with a rule 
that he didn't agree with. And when it came time for him to carry out the consequences of a broken rule, he wouldn't do it. Or if he did do it, it would build resentment. And that's the last thing you want between your husband and your wife is to build resentment. So um, we decided that we absolutely had to buy into every rule in our parenting plan. And when we did, it started to work really well. Yes, the girls gave pushback. Those are all her rules. We never had these rules before. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, he goes, we were in a different house before. We were in a different family before. We all have to have room to breathe in our home. So that's that's what happened. And it it actually helped very well, especially in the teenage years. Um, you know, teenagers are growing. Their brains are developing. The part of their brain that um, is all about risky behavior starts to get tweaked a little bit. And they find out that um, they want to rebel a little bit more. And it's even harder in a step family. So as a stepmom, I had to figure out, is this a step family issue or is this a teenager issue? And a lot of times, and I know stepmoms don't like to hear it, a lot of times it's a teenage issue. Because we found out they were giving bio mom the same amount of grief on the other side and stepdad the same amount of grief on the other side. A lot of times it was just them being kids. That's interesting because most of the time we don't see the stepkids giving the stepdads grief. Uh, they did in our in our family for sure. <laughs> he, um, <laughs> they didn't leave him out. <laughs> yeah, no, we we like my husband. And I actually like him. And my husband and his first wife actually have a very good relationship. In fact, he will be going out for uh, my stepdaughter and grandson's birthday to Arizona in a couple of weeks, and they will be there at the party as well. And so. We've learned to get along well. It takes everybody on board to do it. It's not always possible in any step family, but you don't know until you try. And part of my role in kind of helping that to come together was to step back and say, okay, you two created these children and you need to co-parent together. And stepdad on the other side agreed with me as well. Um, and, you know, mom and dad, bio mom and bio dad had to sit down and really rehash a lot of the pain from their divorce and their relationship as a whole. Once they were able to do that, it made it a lot easier. It wasn't perfect and it still isn't perfect 21 years later, but it's definitely doable and enjoyable. So you, um, you know, that we do the nacho kids. So I didn't parent David's kids. I did in the beginning, which basically almost caused us to get divorced. And then I completely stepped back and I was there for support for David. But otherwise, I didn't really engage with the kids because of the negative engagement we would always have. And mm -hmm. then I slowly started reengaging. So were you just like a, another mom to them or dad, even though y'all agreed on the rules and consequences, dad delved them out to his kids? Right. Remember, I took us four years to get to a, a point to where... Um, we could even at least acknowledge this. Mm -hmm. uh, things like your daughter's acting like a brat. I can't believe you're letting your kids talk to you like that. You're spineless. And I, oh, I have, I have had to apologize to my, my husband countless times for calling him spineless. And that is, that still hurts me that I would ever do that. Um, but he knew he needed to step up to the plate. And so we didn't have the Nacho Kids Academy back then. We didn't have any resources like what uh, you and David offer. 
And I wish that I would have because I really pushed myself in the beginning. Well, I'm going to be better than their mom. I know these kids. I used to babysit for them, you know, when they were babies and younger. And they know me because we do holidays and birthday parties together. And it Mm -hmm. just wasn't the same. Um, And I really had to learn to step back. Almost, I almost stepped back to the point. um, My one stepdaughter, Jessica, in particular, and if she were here, she would share the stories too and would laugh. We have a very good relationship now. But when she was a teenager, um, she's six foot two. And I am five foot four. Uh oh. It was kind of a joke. Um, I mean, it was just, it had to be funny to anybody looking at. And she just didn't back down. Our personalities are very similar. And we were both vying for Steve's time because remember, she's quality time. Mm-hmm. And if he spent time with me, she would feel unloved. So uh, it was a mess in the beginning. And I would get sick when I knew it was their weekend with us to the point where I was physically vomiting in the toilet and Steve's like, this cannot happen. And I go, well, here's what I'll do. When the girls come, you have a great weekend with them. I'll leave Jordan here. All the sisters can be together and I'll go stay at my mom and dad's. Well, something happened where I never got to play that out because Jessica came to live with us within a couple of weeks of that. So her next visit was moving in full time. And prior to that, how often did you have them? Every other weekend. Okay. They had moved to Arizona from California, so we only got to see them every other weekend. Either they would drive out with stepdad or they would fly out. Um, yeah, as long as there wasn't like, you know, a sports game or a dance or something like that. We would, we would see them a lot. I mean, the, um, that was what his custody was prior to. Mm-hmm. Um, so four days a month, not a lot of time to build a good relationship on. Right. Stephanie had moved in with us about half an hour, about a half a year after we got married. And then Jessica, against her will, <laughs> kind of came to live with us. And that's when, um, for that relationship between Jessica and I, it really became evident that, okay, I can't just run away to my mom's house because she's living in my house now. We have to figure out how this is going to work. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I wanted to do was, Give her a room. This is your room. Pick whatever paint color you want. Let's go to Ikea and get you furniture. Let's have this be your your sanctuary space, your safe space with your sister. We moved Jordan into a smaller room, and then the two biological sisters that were teenagers had their own room, um, and that seemed to work out. And she met some really good friends out here. And I think what uh, when she got married, and um, a year later they had their first daughter. She called us together and she goes, we're having a family meeting. And then laughed. She goes, I never get to call family meetings. So I get to call them now. (laughs) (laughs) We sat down and she goes, I just want you to know that I trust you with, with our kid, with this child and any other child that we have. Anything happens, we want you to know you'll always be in their life. And I thought, wow, we're going from fighting and screaming in stores at each other and things like that to her taking her most precious possession, her daughter at that time and saying, you'll always have a place in her life. And Allie's going to be 14 next month. So that's big. That's huge. It really is. And you know, the cool thing about having grandkids is they don't understand the step thing. I'm not step grandma. I'm just Gigi mm-hmm. or the Gigi. They like to call me the Gigi too. I don't know <laughs> why, but there you go. <laughs> 
but I'm loving them and spoil them and send them back to their parents. That, that's right. That's right. But you're also proof that you can go from really struggling with a relationship with these kids, even a basic relationship to having the kind of relationship where they trust you with their kid. Yes, it is possible. Um, and like I said, it takes a lot of hard work. And a lot of times I think stepmoms don't hear that they have to be the adult. And there may be some listening that says, wait, I am being the adult. Okay. Sometimes you have to step back and allow your house to burn down around you by not fixing every little thing and allowing um, things to just kind of naturally develop. And you know what? The dishes may not get done for a week, but eventually if you have a stepchild who's for that week, it's their position to do the dishes. Somebody's going to complain that's not you and it will eventually get done. Right. And that is the key point. It cannot be you complaining. Correct. Yeah. Because if I complain, then I'm nagging, I'm that evil step monster, you know, all those things that uh, we get titles for. <laughs> yeah. Well, what happens is the focus goes off of the kids not doing their chores to us complaining about the kid. Right. Yeah. Steve and I are, are those coaches. So if one coach is ineffective with a player, the other coach can step in and say, okay, this is what your job is as part of our family. You're going to do it or X, Y, and Z is going to happen. And if the threat is out there that X, Y, and Z will happen, you always 100% of the time have to follow through on what you say you're going to do or your kids will not trust you as a parent. Right. And that's good for bio parents, bio moms and bio dads. You can't just say you're going to do something and then not do it, whether it's good or bad, whether it's a reward or a consequence. You always have to follow through because that makes them feel safe. Kind of like the same reason if you look at a kindergarten playground, there's a fence around it. And I ask when we are teaching classes to step families and things like that, I ask them, do you know why it's there? The reason that the fence is around the kindergarten playground is so kids know how far they can go. They know what their boundary is. They cannot go past that fence. It's not because we don't want them to see the world or go see cool things. It's because we want to keep them safe. And as a stepmom, and my husband would agree, as a bio parent, it's our job not to raise kids to like us. It's to get them to a point where they're productive in society and they're loving and healthy and capable adults. Right. And one thing as a stepmom that's hard is when we don't feel like the bio parents are doing enough to make those kids be productive adults. And then it turns into us telling them how they should parent, right. which again is not good. And you know, if anybody were to come to you and say about your child, you know, they're, they're rooms of pigsty, they're a mess, they're acting like a spoiled brat, all of those things, you might as well physically be abusing their child, which no, we do not do that. Exactly. <laughs> but to them, it can feel like, you know, we just hit their kids. And I didn't understand that. And when Steve sat me down and he goes, listen, it hurts when you tell me that my child are, are all these bad things. He goes, I did the best I could with raising them. I raised them in a way that their mom and I felt was right. And it doesn't mean that it's bad. It means that it's different. And that's kind of when we got on the same page about, okay, so what is it going to look like for this home and for this part of their family? And, you know, Ron Deal in his book, The Smart Step 
uh, parent talks about, or the, start, the smart step family talks about how you, um, when you look at a child, you need to remember when they're at one parent's house, they're in one country, one set of rules. Let's say they live in Japan all during the week, Monday through Friday, they eat sushi, they wear kimonos, they speak Japanese. Then they come to our house and we're like Mexico. We feed them tacos and we speak Spanish. And it, that's why transition days are so um, important because we need to realize that the kids need to um, realize they have to have time to adjust. So do the adults in the house. They have to have time to adjust as well. And we found out that when the girls came in on a Friday afternoon, we just kind of let them do what they want to do until they woke up Saturday morning. And for them, that was enough of a transition time. You know, it's like, what do you guys want for dinner? Pizza? Great. Cereal? Great. Steak? Great. Whatever. And we'd have it for them. And if they just wanted to sit and watch TV until they went to bed, that was fine. And then we knew if we gave up our Friday night, we would have a good Saturday and mostly a good Sunday until it was about two hours before they needed to leave. And then they would start fighting with each other mm-hmm. because they knew they had to do a change again. And you guys know what that's like, I'm sure. Yeah, we um, a lot of times we'll see people that have like even a every other day schedule. Oh, that's crazy. That's yeah, or a two and a three and a two or however that goes. Mm-hmm. And so they're constantly battling the kid trying to adjust and you know as well as I do from dealing with a lot of the families in blended families it is very rare that both homes have the same rules like you said they're different countries it's very rare that they're even in the same country much less you know the same state right right and I think that if I mean if you think about a child usually when something like a divorce happens or if your parents had never been married and all of a sudden there's this other parent, this new step parent, whether it's a stepmom or a stepdad, uh, they come in and this parent's like, okay, I know who my mom is. She lives in that house. And I know who my dad is and he lives in that house. But who are you and how do you fit into the equation? So there's all kinds of confusion and their their um their growth is stunted and their brain development is stunted when something this um stressful comes into their lives. And I don't think we give them enough credit to understand where they're at and they don't want to bad mouth either parent but they still have these feelings of anger and frustration and powerlessness that as a stepmom living in one of the homes we really need to pay attention and not add to their stress right and it's easy to add to their stress David and I were talking about this one day a while back when the kids would come over, if we would say, you know, we had every other week at that point, they would come in, we'd go, well, how was your week? What'd y'all do? Well, to them, that was me questioning them. Right. It wasn't Lori's curious as to if we're having fun. It was, oh, mama's right. She's going to ask us questions. Yeah, she's spying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's yeah. playing a spy. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And I mean, as stepmoms, we know that's not what we're doing. But it's certainly perceived that way. And and if you look at the trauma that these kids go through and they don't have the acumen to be able to deal with it or the right words to say, you know, what it is they're supposed to say, then they're constantly in this stressful stage. It was like, uh, did you see the movie Stepmom? Yeah, the one had cancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So her little boy, I think they're out 
riding horses in the moonlight or something like that. And he looks at his mom, Susan Sarandon, and he says about his stepmom, I'll hate her if you want me to. He, it's such a good example of he wants to please everybody, but he doesn't want to hurt anybody either. And mm-hmm. he can't do that as adults. We certainly can't expect kids to do that. Even if you have a stepchild that's 17, 18, 19 years old, their brains don't stop developing until they're 25-ish. Everybody's different, but it's around the, the mid-20s. And so then it, on top of that, if they have also have this study of growth, from the divorce or whatever, or death of a parent, God forbid, whatever that is, um, they're really not as far along as what the average child growing up in a nuclear family may be. That's true. That's true. Now, let me ask you this. You've got, um, your daughter was two? Two. Mm-hmm. Jordan was two. What was the relationship with her and her bio dad? So my first husband um, decided to give up his parental rights. And so Steve adopted her when she was five. Okay. Okay. March 11th, every year, they do um, an anniversary. Now that she's out of the house, they don't get to go out to dinner anymore because she's living up in Sacramento now. But um, they'll call each other on the phone, happy adoption out anniversary. So because she was so little and so much younger than Steve's youngest child, I think there's eight years between them. um, She was more just like that fun little kid that, she just thought everybody was her family and she looks at Steve's girls and her sister. And during the adoption uh, proceeding in front of the judge, the judge even had Steve's three girls um, sign a piece of paper swearing and holding up their hands, swearing that they would be good big sisters to her. Wow. So it was very cool. And, you know, they've gone on, the three older ones were married. They all have children. So they're at a different stage of life than where Jordan is right now since she's only 23 and the other ones are in their thirties. Um, but they still reach out to one another. That's great. Yeah. So we never really had to deal with my ex-husband until Jordan was about 14. And we knew at some point she would want to know about him because she's a curious kid, like every other kid. And we allowed for him to come over and for her to meet him. And she had some very hard questions for him. Uh, he had gone on to have another daughter with his second wife, uh, who's about three years younger than Jordan. And um, afterwards, she's like, nope, daddy's still my daddy. This other guy helped mommy get pregnant, but <laughs> daddy's still my daddy. <laughs> and um, then, uh, you know, it was just as she grew older, she wanted to know her half-sister. And they have a relationship now that's outside of any of the parents. So we were fortunate and we only had drama, step family drama on one side of the family, not on the other. That's true. Well, David has joined us. Hi, David. <laughs> hey. <laughs> You've missed a lot. You've missed a lot. I know. That's typical. Now you can catch it on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. no, just, just start over. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're not starting over. <laughs> So now that David has arrived, tell us a little bit how you got into helping blended families. Okay. Well, we realized that we didn't have any help all those years ago. And when we found this church, um, actually Saddleback Church in Southern uh, California, we joined because there was one step family small group of about five couples. 
And it helped us so much within the first six months that when we were asked to take over the ministry, we said, okay, we have no idea what we're doing, but we know that it helped us and we just want to help other people. So we had this small group. We'd meet in our home once a week and we went through Ron Deal's Smart Step Family Book and answered the questions in the back. It was like a chapter a week and that's all we did. And the relationships that we built then, we still have today. And uh, more and more people heard about it, more and more people came. And we realized we had to stop. Uh, when every new couple came in, we would give them an opportunity to share what was on their mind. Most people came in crisis. So, you know, that took up the whole two hours of the time. And we wanted them to feel heard. But then the other group members that had been there for a while said, they, you know, whenever we get a new couple, we lose our flow. And that's when the idea of teaching a class came to be. So we teach a class that's called STEPS. It stands for Surrender, Train, Embrace, Prepare, and Share. And it's basically just about surrendering your idealistic expectations and your and your control over things. Quite honestly, there's a lot of things you don't have control over as step parent. Yes. <laughs> training yourselves first and then training your kids. Um embracing where you are even if you're in a good marriage and your step family is in a good place you can always make it better and if you're in crisis you can certainly make it better uh preparing for what comes ahead you know we realized because we had such a span of kids ages we were going to have kids graduating from high school and in our school district they get four tickets well they have two parents two step parents a ton of grandparents siblings aunts uncles cousins step aunt, step uncle, step cousins. And this kid is like freaking out because they only have four tickets and most other families are in the same boat. So what do you do? And then um, that, that was the prepare class. And then um, just sharing your story with other step families that you meet. I remember being in Target one time and I overheard this woman in the next house. She goes, well, if he thinks that his daughter is going to do that to me, and I'm like, oh, that's his stepmom right there. <laughs> <laughs> I actually went to the other aisle. I had my business card and I said, listen, I teach classes on step families. Come on, visit us. It's a free class. And we have a community of people that are in your situation and we get what you're going through. And just kind of went from there. And then since then, Steve and I have decided to create a nonprofit, the Merged Family Initiative. Call out merged for short. And it's just reaching out and giving resources to people that don't know where to turn. Um, it's so great after being married for 21 years, finding Nacho Kid Academy, finding all these groups online, like the Joyful Stepmom and just others that are out there, the Unapologetic Stepmom, um, of where women can come in a safe space and say, This is what's happening and it's driving me crazy. And before I really lose it, Girls, tell me what you're thinking. And um, for me, I wish that I would have had that then. So that's why we've decided to go ahead and begin working on our YouTube channel. And hopefully within the next one to two months, we'll have some videos up that's instructional, uh, as well as being able to give different resources to people that are looking for it. Um, we know of different groups around the country that are meeting. You know, some of them are in churches, some of them are not. It's not about one thing or the other. It's about hurting in a step family and wanting to get other people out of that, that um, pain. Yeah, that's amazing. So that's kind of what we do. And we're having fun doing it. My husband and I decided that we needed to do this so much. 
we went back to college and got our degrees. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. right, I'm not, I'm not going that crazy with it. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we had never finished college. So we both went back and got uh, psychology degrees with minors in counseling. Uh, and then I also became a life coach and he's going on in his master's program to become a marriage and family therapist because he specifically wants to work with step families and mm -hmm. a Oh. It's great. It's fantastic. I do like that you push people to be better. I, I like to do that, but it's amazing how many people think that they're at their best already. And, uh, and they kind of start making excuses for themselves. And, and, I, and I don't, I haven't really pinned down where some of that comes from, but I think people are often have problems understanding that you can always improve and they, and they feel like at some point in life they've arrived and that they're as good as they're going to get. And they miss out on so much opportunity to, to be so much better to themselves and to other people. That's so true. I know for me, I grew up um, in a family where uh, the big joke was mom is always right. <laughs> and, and if she was ever wrong, you had to write it on a calendar to commemorate the date. And so I kind of took that on. And so when um, Steve and I got married, instead of looking at the way they did things as different, I looked at it as wrong. And that was a big mistake on my part. So for me, I thought I was already at the best that I could be. And I remember somebody, somebody looked at me and they said, do you think that you have no room for improvement? Do you think that you have no place for growth? And I'm like, ooh. And I'm usually a very quick um, processor and can respond off the cuff, honestly. And I said, I'm going to need some time to really think about that. And I took the week and our group got back together. And I said, you made a good point. No, I can always grow. Mm -hmm. And now at the age of 49, I still have so much to learn. And I think the older I get, the more I wish I had known when I was younger, because it would have been an easier time for my stepdaughters and my daughter. Yeah, if we could just take the knowledge that we have now, and not just the knowledge, but the understanding. Yes. Mm -hmm. And put it in our 20-year-old selves. Man, just imagine. <laughs> These tornadoes and unstoppable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what I think you hit it, though, it's the, it's the understanding part. Like, the knowledge is out there. It, it, more so now than ever. There's – the information is at everybody's fingertips like crazy – but people still don't understand it and they don't implement it. And that's the difference. Whether it's life or business, the key is always the implementation. The execution is what separates those who do and do not. So do you think people don't execute because they're afraid to or because they just think they're right or something else? I think it's situational. Some people are, are conditioned to think that no matter what they do, they're going to fail. And so if you don't take that risk, you can't fail in their eyes. Uh, I, I believe the other way around that if you don't do it, then you're, you've already failed. I would much rather uh, do something and then find out it doesn't work. At least I've learned something. And so I'm still a better person for that. But yeah, I think a lot of people just don't try because um, if, they don't, if they don't do it right or if they fail, and I'll do air quotes on that, if they fail, then they they feel like they have to beat themselves up and they're not good enough and all this other stuff. And that's just not true. Mm -hmm. I think that people do that sometimes or are afraid to execute things because they feel like they're the only ones having to change. Mm. 
that's a really good point. I mm -hmm. did feel like I was the only one changing. Now that I can look back on it, I can say I was the first one that started changing. Mm -hmm. Every family needs a hero. And, you know, if you're irritated by what's going on in your family, then step out and be the hero and start making changes in you and how you react to the situations around you. You have um, not only the ability, but the responsibility to watch what you say and watch what you do, but also how you react. It's not just actions, it's reactions. Mm -hmm. One of the things that was big for me is when I started apologizing to my stepkids, if I did something wrong, the first time I did it, they were like, their mouths were open and they literally had no words to say because again, <laughs> I grew up with that mom that was always right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I took on that persona myself. And um, I think that when we humble ourselves before our family, they see that we're human too. And that makes us better teachers. Yeah. Oftentimes it's not, it's also not that you're having to apologize that you were wrong. Sometimes it's just apologizing that you made somebody feel a certain way. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one of the things that we try to teach in the Nacho Kids Academy is looking at things differently and not reacting emotionally off of something, you know, stepping back and realizing that it's not always about you. The kids yeah. might not just be, snotty to you because they don't like you it may be that they made a bad grade on a test or anything right and you know i tell a lot of women that they ever it's hard not to take things personally when all the words are coming at you or all the attitudes are coming at you but if there was another woman that was a stepmom in the same family she'd be getting the same thing yes mm -hmm. it's not a personal attack it's just what you represent to that mm -hmm. kid. And really, as a stepmom, of course, I represent to some extent, their parents are no longer together. Their parents are never getting married again. This is now our life and this person is in our family. Now what? Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah. And it's easy for us to get wrapped up in the fact that we're trying to deal with everything. We feel like that they're complaining about us all the time. We're always mad at the um, significant other or husband for not parenting like we think they should or the bio mom for not parenting like we think they should. And so it's hard for us to be able to step back and remember that everybody is struggling in this. The blend is not a normal family. It's not a nuclear family. It shouldn't be required or expected to act like one. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly right. And I know the what's really funny is there's all kinds of terms out there. There's step family that has a negative connotation because you know evil stepmom thanks Disney. And then we've got um blended family, which I for me, I'm not a blend mom and I don't have blend kids, so that didn't really work for me. And then I heard the term bonus mom years ago, and I asked. I asked my stepdaughters, I go, so what do you think about the term bonus mom? And one of them said, you are not a bonus. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I still go by stepmom. And if we're lumped together, it's here are my parents. If we're separate, this is my stepmom. And especially if I'm with their bio mom and we're together, like in a baby shower or something, it's, this is my mom. 
and this is my stepmom. And then everybody are shocked that we're sitting together and laughing. Um, <laughs> again, not easy. Takes a lot of time, a lot of energy, but it can be done. You know, you bring up a good point. It was step family back in the day. Back, and yeah. blended family actually meant couples that were different races mm-hmm. getting married. Yes. And somewhere along the way, somebody's feelings got hurt about being a stepmom or having a step family mm-hmm. or being called a step kid. So that's where the blended family got moved to two families having kids, you know, mix and blending, whatever you want to call it. And then the bonus mom thing, um, all the power to the bonus moms out there that feel like they're a bonus mom and can be called a bonus mom, but I am not a bonus mom. <laughs> nor am I, my friend, nor am I. And I have yep. validation from my stepdaughter. You are not a bonus. <laughs> I can promise you all my stepkids would agree with that. My son would even probably say that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I ran about that frequently, actually. Maybe the last episode or two back, I was talking about that. We need to come up with a different term other than stepmom. It just doesn't need to have the word mom, whether it's stepmom or bonus mom or whatever. It, it just right. puts too much pressure on this person who wants to be the spouse of this guy. And now all of a sudden they have this mom moniker thrown on them. <laughs> One of the things we run into a lot um, in Merged is that a lot of the moms that marry men with children do not have children of their own when they get married and then find out that there's infertility issues, which opens up a whole new set of emotions. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we hope to do in Merge is also offer um, help and hope for those that are going through uh, the infertility journey um, that are also in a step family because it has got to be rough to be a woman that is having difficulties bearing her own children, being married to a man and raising the children that he had with another woman. And so I really have a, a soft spot for those moms in my heart as well. It's hard on a good day. I couldn't imagine, like you said. Now, there, there are plenty of women. We've um, actually interviewed a few that are childless stepmoms by choice. Yes, and they are out there. And yes. I know Dr. James Bray did, oh gosh, this was probably in the 90s. He did a 10-year longitudinal study where the um, families were followed, and there were three types of families. The first type was the romantic couples leading step families that thought love will conquer everything. They had the highest rate of divorce. <laughs> they did not live in realistic uh, in the realistic world. The second were the um, oh, it either where the mom who had the kids kind of ran everything with the kids and then dad was there to help or vice versa. Dad had the kids and mom was there to help. And as long as everybody agreed with that, that actually is a very high functioning type of a step family or blended family. And then the highest uh, rate of success is neo-traditional where you realize you're different from a nuclear family. You address situations as they come up. You're creative in the way that you um, grow your family. But you realize that his kids are never going to be my biological kids and vice versa. And you really look at every personality individually and realize they have something to give to our family as well as to society. And I think when you start assigning the positives to the people in your family, 
it helps relieve some of the tension. Well, you're not this and you're not that. Instead, you are so bright. Look how, you know, you're a great quilter. You're um, a great fisherman. You're a great fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. I quilt, but Steve doesn't fish. I don't know where the fisherman term came from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely what you focus on is is what you get more of. And when you focus on the good that people are bringing uh, to the table, then that's what they're going to give you more of. Totally agree. And especially with stepkids, you have to be intentional in finding the good with them because you're going to be more apt to see the negative than the bio parents will. Right. Right. And Steve and I also learned during this journey of 21 years is that there are things that because I am not uh, emotionally connected to his kids in the same way that he is, I could see when they were being, uh, you know, a little mischievous, but it was the way that I presented it to him um, that I needed to work on. At the same time, the way I would have disciplined them or would have liked to have disciplined because I haven't been with them since birth and grown up with them for their teenage years, he had a unique perspective and I had to learn to trust that perspective and that helped our parenting together as well. Right, because if you think that the person that you're marrying that has kids is a crappy parent, you wouldn't marry him in the first place. Right. Exactly. And, you know, I think so many times we put winners and losers. Um, I mean, look at our sports and, and everything, you know, our professional sports teams in America and just the way we do business and things like that. There's winners and there's losers. But if you bring that mentality into your blooded family, great that you think you're the winner, but that makes a person you're married to a loser. And who wants to be married to a loser? Nobody. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, um, you had talked about, the views on your significant other when they're not parenting like you think they should. And we hear a lot of women say that they start to find their husbands unattractive because they're wimpy in their eyes to not standing up to the stepkids. And I understand where that's coming from or why they think that way, but I really, really wish that they could understand guilty parent syndrome because it is real. That's where that comes from. It's um, a lot of times the women that don't understand it, either they don't have kids of their own or they have kids that never go to the other parents' home. Right. I wasn't there for Steve's divorce. I don't know what he went through. I don't know what emotional trauma he went through. And then when he was a single parent, I don't know what he went through then for the first couple years as a single parent until we started dating. And for me to step in and say, you know, why are we still paying this bill? This was her bill. Why, um, why don't you stand up to her? I wasn't in their marriage. I don't know how she treated him. Maybe she threw bases at his head. I have no idea. I'm not saying that she did. I'm just saying I wasn't there and didn't live it. So I can't really stand in judgment of my husband for doing the things that he does. And guilty parenting was a big thing. He felt like a failure as a man because he had three little girls looking up to him. And he now made them be from a broken family and felt immense guilt. And that was something that he had to deal with on his own, which he did. And we would talk about it, but I never pushed it after I understood these things that I just said about not understanding and not being there for these times in his life, it's like, okay, the man's doing the best that he can. 
He's got to be key at his job. He's got to be key in bringing home the bacon. He's got to be key in taking care of the yard outside, being a wife, being a dad, being an adoptive dad and going through an adoption process and all of this. He does not need me to nag him about being a guilty parent. He needs me to come along next to him and be his teammate and to tell him that I am for you. Right. And people need to understand that guilty parent syndrome does not only happen to the person that is the reason the marriage split up. Mm-hmm. David? True. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely true. It's it's hard, and it's hard to understand somebody else's uh, thought process. Nobody ever parents like we think they should. Right. It's easy to sit on the sidelines and go, oh, you know, Sally over there needs to tear little Susie's butt up with a switch. Yeah, exactly. You know. <laughs> hey, I lived in the South for a time. I know how switches work. <laughs> a hickory switch, girl, a hickory yeah. switch. And then you have to go pick your own. That's no good. <laughs> yep. You always have to pick your own. I've got a story about that. My um, mom had my little sister and my grandmother was staying with us. Well, my grandmother favored my older sister. It was like, you know, her favorite grandchild. And I was the least favorite at the time. And even after my little sister was born. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) my grandmother went to a restaurant. You got to think this was like 1978. So the only restaurant was like Hardee's and it was 25 minutes away or whatever. And I told her I wanted a hamburger and my sister, my older sister says she wanted a cheeseburger. So my grandmother came back and my sister says, I don't want the one with cheese. So my grandmother handed it to me and told me to eat it. I told her I wasn't eating it. That's not what I ordered. Oh, Lord. (laughs) Next thing I know, she says, you go outside and you get me a hickory switch right now. I'm like, look here, lady. I'm not going outside to get it. You want to hit me with it? You go get it. <laughs> I love it. The tenacity. Yeah. So uh, as she went outside to get that hickory switch at the light, you know, speed of lightning, mm-hmm. I ran into my dad's bathroom and locked the door. And I remember the handle was right there at my head. And I remember <laughs> just listening, waiting for her, you know. And I said, Mama, is Nana gone yet? And she'd be like, oh, I don't know. I guess she was drugged up. You know, they probably gave you drugs when you had babies back then. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, she said something, and I thought she said yes. I walked out that door, and Lord have mercy. It was like lightning had striked my butt. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, I love cheese now. Yeah, well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yep, back in the day, man, I tell you, they didn't hold back, did they? Nope. 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 You know, that, that kind of goes with how things have changed from people don't like the word step family to really 40 years ago, you could beat your kid and it was okay. Mm-hmm. The neighbors could beat your kids and it was okay. <laughs> you were expected to. We're giving college kids days off or, you know, mental days because they, their presidential uh, election didn't go the way that they wanted it to. <laughs> I mean, really, we've changed a lot. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. Yeah. That's well, like this... everybody having to get an award now. Yeah. You get a participation award. Well, we got participation awards. I remember back when I was a kid and playing T-ball, everybody got 
you know, the little trophies at the end of the year and all that. And I mean, so this, it's not anything new, but nowadays it's, you know, they don't, they don't want to point anybody out as being better. So even though everybody got a participation award, there was still somebody who was the first place and second place and all that. But nowadays they won't even do that. But, um, I think a lot of that is, is, uh, is the fact that society, the families, uh, I mean, no, nobody is really teaching these kids coping skills. And so when they get to these older ages, like in college and, you know, they get all involved in this election process and their guy doesn't win, they, they have zero coping skills to even handle that. Yep. They don't know what to do. That's exactly right. And I remember growing up, it's like, because I grew up in the 70s and 80s, it's like if I wanted to get to go to the mall, I was going to get on my bike and I was going to ride there two miles and ride home. And I wasn't going to get a ride. And I had no money to spend unless I got it from babysitting. Yeah. We had to do chores to get an allowance. And I would spend my allowance um, buying marigolds from the neighbor two houses down that had a greenhouse. And that way my dad and I could plant them together. Oh, you're sweet. Yeah. Now you heard what I just, how I just talked to my grandma, right? (laughs) (laughs) True. Well balanced. Yeah, that's it. I'm the rebellious angel. She's bipolar. I am not (laughs) bipolar. (laughs) I'm sure that we've covered the David um, telling me I was bipolar and I went to the doctor and I told him that he had to get on the phone with my husband because he thought I was bipolar. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that happened, folks. It did. And the doctor said she is not bipolar. She's just under a lot of stress. I said, I was like, so she's not bipolar. I was using that as an excuse for her behavior. Now it's just her fault. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was your youngest fault. (laughs) All four of them. And you wouldn't parent. That's what Uh, happened. (laughs) And this is why you guys are doing this amazing podcast together. (laughs) It is. We're going to have to release the video of these things so people can see my faces. <laughs> I don't know, because I roll my eyes at you an awful lot. <laughs> <laughs> and when I get tired of rolling my eyes, I just roll my head. Oh, you guys are cracked up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Steve and I are the same way. We we realize that uh, the best way for us to communicate is sarcasm. But it, it doesn't work if only one of you is sarcastic. You both have to be sarcastic. <laughs> I think we've got that covered, David. What do you think? Yeah, even though you accuse me of being a button pusher. He is a button pusher. <laughs> Deanna, are you a button pusher? I used to be. I'm not anymore. She's a recovered. proclaimed recover button pusher. Yeah. Well, Hallelujah, yeah, the, there's hope. Button pushers anonymous. That's right. Well, you know, the first step is admitting. The second step is wanting help. I hadn't made it to the second step. <laughs> you don't want help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just don't get it. It's like, uh, you ever seen this shirt, uh, that says, um, uh, people say I have a drinking problem, but I don't seem to have any problem with it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's me yeah. when it comes yeah. to button pushing. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't surprise me at all. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you have went through recovery, Nana, and that you're not that way anymore. You know, I used to be a great button pusher. I knew I'm smart. I sit back and watch and I take everything in and if I wanted to be, I could pick it up immediately, but I don't. Makes for a happier marriage, happier family, 
plus when you work with your husband and you do uh, nonprofits with your husband and then you have to cook for him and sleep with them and see him on the weekends, it should be easier for me. <laughs> Maybe David could take some lessons off you. I'll give you Steve's number. You give him a call. <laughs> when I get to the point, I won't help. I'll call you. It might be a while. <laughs> Just keep pushing your button until you answer. <laughs> there you go. So what all do you have in the works? You told us you've got the YouTube channel. So, yes, we're in the process of uh, getting everything together for YouTube. Our, um, we are working on the merged uh, classes. We are going to have those. And um, they will be for anybody needing help. You know, uh, you can always follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Merged, M-E-R-G-E-D. And we try and be funny sometimes. Oh, gosh. A couple months ago, we had put up what I thought was a hilarious, hilarious post. Um, but there was somebody there in our audience that was offended by it. And so we try and be as gentle as possible. But like I said, we are sarcastic people. And sometimes memes get the better of us. <laughs> so we're definitely on social media. Um, anybody has a question or wants to be in contact with me, they can email me at Deanna at merged.family. That goes right to my cell phone and I will make sure that you get our returned text or um, email. And what else do we have going on? I know that we want to get our classes back up and running again. Uh, it's just trying to figure out uh, a location. Uh, we don't want to do it in the church necessarily because some people are just uncomfortable with going into the church. So we'll find a clubhouse or a hotel somewhere that we can run out of room and do a Friday and I'll do Saturday. Like I said, we have no dates for that because Steve's in school full time, um, but we'll figure it out. We'll get it up. Yeah. The big thing is the YouTube channel right now. We look forward to checking that out. Yeah, thanks. And it's funny you talk about you posting something and it offended someone. I'm shocked. I know that somebody <laughs> on Facebook would be offended. Can you post anything without offending someone? I don't think that's don't possible. Think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I try to post something that offends as many people as possible. Oh, I like to see. <laughs> we're going to be good friends, David. You and I. <laughs> and and he's not kidding. <laughs> well. Neither am I. See, go to my <laughs> personal page and then you'll see all of my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> we were on a call the other night, or um, we do two QA calls a month through the academy. And we had some people on there, and the lady said something about a phrase that she could not stand for the <laughs> stepkid to use. Uh huh. Well, of course, I think David said it five more times after that, <laughs> just to make sure. <laughs> she didn't say she didn't like for me to use it. She said she didn't like for the stepkids to use it. See, see. No, look, look. What I'm doing is I'm I'm desensitizing her to that to that phrase, so she doesn't realize how much good I'm doing her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need one of those sticks, you know, with the looks like a big Q-tip. Uh huh. The pugil yeah. sticks or whatever they call pugil pugil sticks. Pugil. Yeah. Yeah. I need something like that so I can poke David when he's sitting across the room from me. Because <laughs> I can't thud him sitting far away. Yeah. Oh, man, I need to fly to uh, the East Coast and stay with you guys. I think you're a pick. <laughs> Come on. We are here. We have room. <laughs> All right. Well, when that, that short blonde person shows up at your door, you'll know it's me. <laughs> Look, I'm always scared some blonde woman's going to show up at my door. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh Lord. <sighs> oh Lord. That reminds me of a um interview I did the other day. And this is really sad, so I don't mean to laugh when I'm saying this, but you just made me laugh about the blonde. Um, this lady has two stepkids from her husband cheating. Oh. Yeah. That's- and apparently that's not that rare. No. Not. So, mm-hmm. you they're know. They're not lucky in their marriage because their new wife and kids are fighting. Then, well, Laura, you're, yeah. you're good. You're safe. Don't worry about it. I'm not worried about that. <laughs> she's got a people stick. She'll take yeah. it. <laughs> the love of my life or me loving life is not um, dependent on your existence. That's why I married you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I might be sad 24 hours. I read the book, Who Moved My Cheese? It's okay. Oh, I love that. That's a great book. You know, that's a good book for stepmoms to read. Who Moved My Cheese? Yes. They have a teen version, too. Ooh. I haven't read that one. I haven't either, but the original one was great and a good reminder. Yep. Maybe we could rewrite the Who Moved My Cheese to Who's Young and Are You? Yeah. (laughs) You should probably write one about, you know, who left the empty cereal box in the pantry. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Or the empty milk carton in the refrigerator. (laughs) What was it we were talking about, David? Um, somebody- no, yesterday you were hollering, "Who ate the pan- who ate the uh, cupcakes?" Yeah, but <laughs> that's different. I got over that pretty quick. <laughs> but the um, somebody left a swig of something in the refrigerator. I don't even know if it was here. I think it was a stepkid that we were talking to the stepmom, and you said, "But wait, they didn't throw it away because it wasn't empty." Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm talking like a swig. You probably couldn't even get a shot glass full of orange juice or whatever it was. Well, if they fill their cup all the way up, then there's no more room, and it just so happens to leave just a tiny bit in there, then they won't throw it away. And some people even have a thing where they don't want to be the last person to use something up, so they won't. You know, so they won't use the last little bit because they just they don't want to be the person who uses it up. And you see that a lot if you go out to eat, and somebody's like, "Well, I don't want to be the one that takes the last thing from the plate." Oh. So that's why there's two Fruity Pebbles left in the bottom of the box. <laughs> I don't know. I don't need it. <laughs> okay. Is Fruity Pebbles your favorite cereal, Lori? Um, no. See, she doesn't have a, necessarily a favorite. She goes through spells. So I, what, I do. whatever one she likes, that's all she'll eat day in, day out for like two months, three months. And then she'll switch to something else. And then she won't eat, she won't eat the previous cereal for a year. <laughs> Fruity Pebbles probably is my go-to, though. That's fine, too. See? Yeah. We are linked, yep. you and I. It is. It's that sugary, slimy goodness. Yeah, and I think milk should be gray, don't you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's just the way it's supposed to be from our childhood. Yeah, I mean, th- there was nothing wrong when we were growing up for your parents to say eat a bowl of cereal for supper. Of course. I still, I mean, I don't care who's at my house. I have cereal, and that's what you're eating. Mm-hmm. I think it's great because I raised them that way, so. Well, David has gotten hooked on raisin band, raisin band, raisin brand crunch. Oh, I and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really like raisin brand, but I tried this. Girl, it's good. pretty good. All right. All right, I may have to try it. My problem it's, is, is I'll sit with the box without the milk and eat the whole thing like in a night, which is really <laughs> bad. Yeah, I, I'll do that with like a honeycomb or mm-hmm. fruit loops. Fruit loops, yeah. 
Apple Jacks, Ooh. Honey Cheerios. Have you ever made a shake with Apple Jacks? Have what? Have you ever made a shake with Apple Jacks? No, but I have a feeling I'm about to. <laughs> Just a little bit of ice cream, some milk, and actually any cereal works, but Apple Jacks is especially good. Oh, yeah. Mm. Delicious. Mm-mm. Lori got something to try. Let me write that down. <laughs> <laughs> Never know where we're going to go in this podcast. Right, from families to shakes made with cereal. <laughs> hey, you know, one time they tried to make the milk flavored. Um, it was milk that was like after you had eaten the cereal flavored. Mm-hmm. Like leftover cereal milk. Right. That, that didn't go over too well. No, I would think it would be filmy. Like it would have a yeah. film on it or something. Yeah. You um, know. Fruity Pebbles can get filmy too. Yeah, I know. But I want the joy of having the crunch first. I'm a texture person. See, first I want the crunch, then I want the film. Well, it yeah, yes. make, finish by it the makes the roof of your mouth feel ch- waxy. Waxy. Yeah. Waxy. waxy. <laughs> <laughs> but that raisin brand crunch stuff, it stays crunchy. It does. Right. I'm going to go try yeah. it. Yeah. Plus, that Fruity Pebbles, as soon as you pour the milk in there, you got about 38 seconds before it's soggy. You better eat fast. Well, that's because you have to layer it. <laughs> you only put so much milk in it, you can't cover it, and then you push down to get it wet and then eat it. Oh, uh, so I don't Yeah, do you, you eat from the middle, and then you have a yes. thing around the sides, like a donut, and then you take a little bit of that and then dip it. <laughs> we are so sisters, you and I. Gosh, David. I'm sorry. I must not have went through the uh, cereal eating class in school. You did not. <laughs> I think my favorite might actually be Count Chocula. Ooh, I do like a good blueberry. I'm not a big chocolate person, which most people don't want to be my friend when I tell them I'm not a big chocolate person, but I did like blueberry. I'll be your friend. I'll just get your chocolate. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. See, it's a win win. Yeah. And I don't really like blueberry, so you can have mine. I'm so happy when Target started carrying that again. It was like a great day for me. I can't seem to find it except for around Halloween. Yes, they only they only produce it at Halloween, like September, end of August, right after the school supplies are you know bought in July. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then they put all Halloween stuff out in August. It's usually when you can find it. Oh, about that time! About that time! In the Hobby Lobby, they got all their Christmas stuff out. I'm like, oh, please. You said Hobby Lobby. Oh, Hobby Lobby's amazing. Y'all see the do 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 do. When I die, I want my ashes spread through the Hobby Lobby. I think that's great. I love I'll it. make it happen right in the parking lot, or maybe the bathroom even. <laughs> no, I want to be like spread out amongst the decor. Yes. I'll put you in one of the boxes, and somebody will take you home. It- well, that's better than what I was going to do because I. Honestly, I think the best thing to do is is what I originally had planned, which is I'm going to have her cremated, and I'm going to put her ashes in the pepper shaker, and I'm going to invite all the family over to eat. <laughs> that is sick, but I kind of like it. <laughs> yeah, but if you see ashes, it won't go over as pepper. <laughs> True. Yeah. David? Well, I'll figure something out. People are like, what is that on your steak? It tastes pretty good. I'm like, Lori. <laughs> <laughs> Try our new season, folks. Lori. <laughs> Little blackened Lori. <laughs> <laughs> blackened Lori. When I die, I want to be cremated and then made into a diamond. 
And uh, I want to be able to make sure that it's a big enough diamond so that Steve ever gets remarried, but that's the diamond that he gives to his new wife. And then I can just be there with him all the time. My stepkids think I'm sick. Maybe. It, sa- it, it sounded kind of sweet, but then it sounded kind of gross. Well, you know, you can be made into a diamond for your loved ones, but if he's going to get remarried to somebody else, I'm going to have to prove it. So I'm going to have to do the diamond. She ain't going to want you on her hand. You don't need to She's like, get off me, woman. No, no, that'll be for her new stepchildren to know. Uh, <laughs> see what I did there? Yeah. <laughs> I see what you did there. I like that. David? <laughs> All I know is there won't be another stepmom. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah, I'm positive. This is it. I'm done. <laughs> That's what Steve says he said it's taken him 21 years to break in me. He's not going through that again. Nope. Mm-mm. No, if this doesn't work, I'm I'm done too because I'm fine by myself. I don't need somebody else's crap. <laughs> I got enough of my own. <laughs> That's it. And I'm sorry, I probably just offended somebody. <laughs> like <Hello>. David. <laughs> no, I know. I'm just crap with benefits. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see. I think that means that it's about time to go, folks. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for having me. This has been a blast. Yes, it has. Thank you for being a guest. Well, of course. I love what you guys are doing at National Kid Academy. And I think that when people really understand what the principles are, and not that we throw trash on our kids, our stepkids' bed, (laughs) and things like that, that is not what Notching is all about. Um, It's about making healthy, adjustments to yourself and what you do, possibly letting the house burn down around you while everybody else does what their job is supposed to be for a healthier family. Exactly. And we are so thankful that you and your husband are doing the merged. Yeah. See, I didn't like step family or blended. So I just came up with my own term. (laughs) There you go. I'm a merged Uh, mom. (laughs) That's what I was just thinking. I'm a merged mom. Oh no, we can't say mom. Yeah. You can't say mom. You have to come up with something else. Uh, you're you're I, a merger. I don't know. I'll come up with a, a noun that's an end noun. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll have to think of something. Yeah, I'll text it to you when I get it. <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds good. Because if not, Dave is going to come up with some kind of mess, and I'm just yeah. afraid. We can't let him do that. <laughs> just just call him Cray Cray. <laughs> yeah, the Cray Cray Mom. Yeah. No, you can't say Mom. Can't See, say look, mom. I can't get that. I can't get the, Mom. The merged Cray Crays. that would be a great description of my family hey that's what i was thinking (laughs) when we all get together when you count in grandkids i think we're around 20 and we live in a three-bedroom condo and they all stay with us so we've got mattresses everywhere and it's crazy and that's what i learned it's okay if my house gets dirty for that week because i'd rather have the crazy people there and i can clean it up later yep taking priorities that's right. Making priorities and setting boundaries. That's right. Yep. Well, again, people can find you where? Da, 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 da. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Merged Family Initiative. I think it's just under Merged, though. And then you can also email me at Deanna at Merged.Family. And my name is spelled D-E-A-N-N-A at M-E-R-G-E-D dot family. Dot com, dot family. Dot family. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we look forward to talking to you again soon. Sounds great. Thanks so much. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. 
Bye-bye. That was fun. It was absolutely fun. We always have fun. Yeah, and I, uh, your, what is it? Crap with benefits? Oh, my gosh. You're going to put up with that crap? No. I'm, you know, <laughs> the way I look at it is if mine and your relationship ends for whatever reason, I am perfectly fine being by myself. I enjoy spending time by myself. I can entertain myself because I think I'm funny sometimes. <laughs> so why do I want to marry somebody else and have to deal with them and learn their quirks and stuff when, no, I'm not interested. Start over again. With all of it? Oh, yeah, with all of it. You'd be remarrying somebody. Oh, I thought you meant start over the podcast again. <laughs> <laughs> because we have been known well, to have to do that. So is it because it's somebody else or is it because there's a good chance that it's another blended family thing to navigate. It's because I will never love anybody like I do you, David. Oh, I know that. I mean, you know. Nothing compares. Oh, my gosh. To you. All right, we're going to cut this one off pretty quick today. Are we? <laughs> hey, I sang in the last one, didn't I? Yes. Or one of them. It might not be the last one by the time we post yeah. it. Yeah. One thing about it, don't quit your day job. Look, I never claim to have a singing voice, people. Y'all know that song, Nothing Compares to You? Yes, we know that song. Okay. Well. Now I don't want to ever hear it again. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, trying to focus, y'all. Trying to focus. Deanna learned a lot from her. The love language is the five love languages. Mm-hmm. And I find it interesting that all four of the kids and her had a different one. Yeah. So that's really interesting. Do you know what your love language is? I do not. You would oh. say I don't have one at all. Probably not. He is not very compassionate, people. That don't mean I'm not very loving. Uh, I think they go hand in hand. Well, then I must be compassionate. <laughs> not. Okay, so we're going to have to get David. I'll read the Love Languages book. <laughs> and I'll tell David what he is, and then I'll tell y'all what he is. I, th- I think I know mine without even reading the book. What are they? You know, you know the five? Um, she mentioned several of them. Put them on, putting you on the spot. Yes, you are. <laughs> Hang on. Let me flip back and see if I can remember. I know one of them was like um, touchy-feely. Um, like you need hugs and play with my hair and whatever. I like touchy-feely. Okay. One of them was time. Wasn't it time? Like spending time with them? Um, sometimes. I'm kind of iffy on that one. You're kind of iffy on that one. Uh, let's see. The other one. Crap. I'm not going to be able to remember all these. I'll have to look them up, people. <laughs> I could probably Google it real fast. Yeah. But then David would have to talk about something. So talk <laughs> about something, David. Why Google it real fast? Well, just of the two that you mentioned, I mean, I know that, um, I mean, I'm, I'm touchy-feely for for the most part. Like, I enjoy holding hands with you or, or I enjoy, actually, every time we get in bed at night, I usually have to, like, put my hand on your back or your leg or something. I have to be touching you to go to sleep. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, in that way I am. As far as time. Um, I found them. Okay, good. Glad I filled that spot. Yeah. <laughs> the five love languages are words of affirmation, mm-hmm. gifts, acts of service, quality time, and physical touch. Okay, so gifts don't mean anything to me. They don't really mean a whole lot to me either. All right. As a matter of fact, that's kind of a problem for me. Like when somebody gives me a gift, I have a hard time showing enough appreciation. And it's not that I don't appreciate it, but it's just. I feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Physical touch. I would say that's more you than me. I don't think physical touch is definitely my thing. Oh, I don't know. Because I like you rubbing my back. Yeah. And you just my like, scratch my back. Rub my back. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to have to look <laughs> further into these five love languages. It depends on who's touching me. 
well, that's a given. I, I got to have my personal space. Do not get within a two foot radius of me. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And then. Yeah, but I don't mind being touched. <laughs> af- words of affirmation. <laughs> I think everybody likes words of affirmation. Yeah, that's kind of what I would think. But. And then acts of service. I think that's more me. So like if you're doing acts of service for me. No, that my love language is acts of service. So service for somebody else. Maybe. I don't know. I got to read the book. Yeah. I think I can see where several, I, I have several of these, but one is probably a lot stronger than the other ones. I think I've got the book. If not, we'll have to order it. But yeah, you figure all that out. I will. I'll figure all that out. In the meantime, just touch me. David. <laughs> I think I know David's love language. <laughs> I think everybody that's ever listened to this podcast knows about love languages. <laughs> My love language was elicited. <laughs> and um, also, she talked about common courtesy instead of respect. Yeah. I think that's a big thing. You know, I experienced that a lot in Japan, that people just, they they gave you courtesy because even the, even respect, even, it's like you, you didn't have to earn it. And I think a lot of times people I run into here it's like, yeah, you know, you earn my respect. And I'm like, yeah, but that's really not the best way to do it. But uh, but I noticed that there was a huge cultural difference there where people just respected each other and they had a lot of courtesy about each other. Like they had more willingness to be kind. Yeah. And the level of customer service there in any place. It was better than Chick-fil-A. It, it was crazy. Like it was an experience to 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 experience it. It was an experience to experience. That's it. the only way I can put it. Because, I mean, I, I'd even walk out of like a convenience store and I was like, oh my gosh, the level of customer service that this person at the convenience store gave me was more than I would get, you know, if I paid a lot of money in a five-star hotel. Yeah, that's true. People, so. um, people tend to not be as um, helpful to people mm-hmm. as they used to be. No, these, these, it was super, these people are super, super helpful. They um, seem to really not get upset about things. Like even when we were in like crowded subways and, and things like that and people were bumping into each other, I didn't even see anybody like roll their eyes or, you know, huff and puff about anything. Nothing. There was absolutely nothing. It's like they just were like chill with it all. That's amazing. Okay, let's talk about graduation tickets real fast. She see. brought up graduation tickets. Yeah. We were fortunate that you had triplets. No, no. Because it wasn't an issue for graduation tickets. Yeah, because we got a bunch of tickets. Yeah. But a lot of people do have this issue. They only get four tickets. They've got the bio mom, the bio dad, the grandparents, which mm-hmm. feel like they should have more right to go than the step parents. Right. Which, honestly, I agree with that. Yeah. I, I do mean, too. they're blood. Yeah. That's different. So, step parents, so, stay your tail home. Well, I mean, just. <laughs> Don't be offended by what your real role is. And well, I honestly, I don't, it, I may go to Jackson's, but I don't expect to go to Jackson's. He will. Um, so if it comes up that, of course, I mean, his grandparents really aren't quite as involved. So right. we don't have that real issue, but I still don't expect to be able to go. If I'm able to go, then great. But that really isn't my expectation. Right. Understandable. So if there's not an extra ticket, for you, don't make the kid feel bad. That's kind of like preparing for a wedding. Don't make it stressful. Just yeah, it's not. A, that's a day for them anyway. Don't. Yeah. Don't mess it all up. It's about them, not you. Not you. It ain't about you. <laughs> and then we'll let's do not see. you, 
Notchu.com. Notchu.com. <laughs> and then she talked about looking at things as different and not wrong. I really like that. Mm. I really like that. Well, I remember when when you and I kind of figured that out, and I think maybe you found figured it out more so about me, that there were a lot of things that I was doing that you thought was wrong or you didn't appreciate it the way it was. And then once you found, figured out that, you know, it's not that I'm doing it wrong, I'm doing it different. And there's a reason why I'm doing it different. You know, you were able to kind of see things through a different light. And, right. it, and then it didn't bother you anymore because right. you just had that that uh, different outlook on it. And then last but not least, we talked about Fruity Pebbles and yeah. Apple Jack's Milkshakes. Yeah, folks, there is no telling where these podcasts will turn. Hey, dude, I'm excited to go try to Apple Jack's Milkshake. Maybe you should start a podcast on cereals. No. Because isn't this like the second or third time we had, had the cereal conversation? <laughs> I don't think it was the cereal conversation. It's been the cereal box, the empty cereal box. Well, yeah, we did talk about you eating Raisin Bran Crunch before. But yeah. no, I'm not starting a podcast on cereal. <laughs> Unless Kellogg's or Post or whoever contacts me. And to reach me, they can reach me at Lori at NachoKids.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. That's it. That's it. Anything that you want to say in closing? Uh, please rate the podcast. We very much need it and appreciate it. So head over to iTunes, Stitcher, rate, review. Please, 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 please. <laughs> not that I'm begging. <laughs> He's I'm not. begging, folks. He's begging. I'm not begging. I'm just saying. This is not very becoming, David. I'm just saying, you know, these people are awesome. They just need to go over there. A few clicks. That's it. Well, and I'm going to say... Remember to look into the Nacho Kids Academy. That is the best platform to for us to help you learn to nacho properly and to be successful in nachoing and better your blend. Yep. All right, folks. Until next week, nacho on. Hasta la pasta. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.